Welcome to Man Pepper, a baseball podcast, straight baseball banter, coming in hot, episode 10, with your host Jake and Chris. What is going on? What is going on, Jake? How's it going, man? Chilling. Same, same. It's been a good week so far. I had a little golf tournament yesterday for work with, with my manager, so nice little couple hours of work in the morning, played some golf. Can't complain. Kind of makes the week go by a little faster. Yeah, especially, you know, early in the week you know, get you over that hump. How was it playing with some of the colleagues? Were you, were you the best one out there? Were they like, oh, big baseball guy, he's going to come out here and swing it? I feel like most people who have never played with me just assume I'm going to be a lot better than I am, and I'm not that great at golf. So <laughs> we didn't have that good of a foursome, but, you know, it was a scramble. We shot minus four. We played way above our ability, I think. It made a few, you know, birdies that we probably had no business making. Uh, but it was a great time. Good to be out there rather than in my bedroom working. So I'll take it. <laughs> Did you actually contribute with some like solid putts or approach shots? Yeah, I played pretty well. I hit the ball well. Um, one guy in our group had a little bit trouble hitting the ball anywhere, basically, but he did come <laughs> through with a few with a few big putts. So everyone contributed. You know, I just go into those things just trying to have fun. I used to, I was telling uh, my manager I was playing with, I used to get like anxiety playing golf with people who I've never played with before, right? Because I have it in me to just completely implode and spray everything to the right where the ball's not even going forward. But I've gotten over that. So I went in just like, look, going to have a few drinks, going to hang out. It's a nice day. And uh, it helped. Maybe that like mental, that mind frame actually helped me out. So I'm, I'm happy with the way I played. Looking forward to getting out there again, hopefully soon. Good. I hope to get out at least once or twice before my big tournament in November that I do every year. But par for the course, I usually play about once or twice a year and then go play four days of 36 holes in a row and yeah, absolutely yeah. just do terrible and then show up for like half a round. Yeah, I need the Bruce Bolt golf club. I'm sure that'll help my game. So maybe Bear will provide it. I did want to ask you though, Jake. So I was driving home from the golf tournament last night and little stretch of highway before I get back into my hometown. And these two cars are essentially like racing on the highway, like coming by me, like a hundred miles an hour, passing on the right, swerving in and out of traffic. And I see that somewhat frequently. I don't know by you, but like I see asshole drivers like that all the time. And I constantly think like, do people that drive like that just get pulled over on the daily or on the weekly, or are they running some crazy radar detection that I don't know about? And then they're slamming the brakes on when they see the cops because I've gotten pulled over a few times in my life. My understanding is if it's a common occurrence, you're losing your license eventually. Like, how are these people still on the road? <laughs> so that happens a lot down here in the Charlotte area. We got like five lane highways right here. You can hear it. I think it's they don't care and that they're not getting caught. I think they're going so fast that if all of a sudden they see some lights, they're just going for it. And then they're getting off the first exit and they're just kind of run. Not that they're like super bad criminals, but like, it brings up a really good thought of mine. When I was like 17, I was driving my sick-ass two-toned El Camino. Yes, yeah. El Camino. Gray and green, racing seats, big old system in it, rhino-lined. <laughs> Dude, you just, I thought I was the shit. So I'm going to work, and I worked at a car dealership. In the car dealership, I was literally the lot boy. I'd go fill up gas tanks at detail cars before people to buy it. So I'm heading to there. It's about a 25-minute drive on the highway. Well, I'm going way too fast. I'm probably going like 80 and a, and a 60. And I see a cop throw his lights on. Well, my exit was coming up and there were two tractor trailers 
and I made a decision to step on it, swerve between the two tractor trailers right off the exit. Inevitably, the cop couldn't see me, and I came off, got on top of the off-ramp, and looked down as the cop went by. So I guess the moral of my story is I think people just go for it and don't give a shit because I did when I was 17. Yeah, I have pulled the get off the nearest exit when I've seen lights come on behind me and it's worked once or twice, assuming that the cop was coming after me. Right, right, though. I think cops aren't generally getting into high speed chases with with random kids going 100 unless they're actually endangering people on the road. So maybe you're right. Maybe they're just speeding and uh, not uh, not getting caught. Yep. Yep. So let's get into the beers, man. What are you drinking? I told you coming into today, I was actually going on a little bit of a, a fruit cleanse. Fruit juice <laughs> cleanse. So what I drank about 30 minutes ago was an organic nut milk, turmeric, maple syrup, vanilla, and cracked pepper smoothie as my okay. final <laughs> drink of the night. It's filling. I'm full right now, but uh, I'm, having, I'm having just a nice seltzer. Again, a little bit of a cleanse, actual seltzer. I do have my beautiful beer bowl my prototype, but we're not going to show the fans yet. We're going to save that for the patent lawyers. So yeah, we got a little tweaking to do. Is the, I'm just drinking a seltzer, man. Is the Bud Light lemonade seltzer part of the fruit cleanse or is that not made it on (laughs) to the program? That has not made it to the program today. All right. Straight actual seltzer. I'm drinking a Harris Teeter black cherry seltzer. Okay. That's where I'm at. I can bless that. So I've got uh, an Allagash river trip. It's a Belgian style session ale. 4.8%. 4.8%. Great summer beer, low ABV, super refreshing. So I'm going to enjoy one of these tonight doing the pod. And Yeah, man, that sounds like a pretty good beer. I'm, I'm kind of jealous. I'm not uh, having one of those delicious ones instead of my friggin' weak ass uh, seltzer water and juice <laughs> cleanse. But uh, hey, so Father's Day is coming up and we thought, you know, for the, for the listeners out there, um, it might be kind of cool that we have some dads in on the pod. So we may bring, you know, some special guests in later to talk. Um, as far as the agenda, we'll do our normal coaches corner tales of Hennepin. But Chris, one of the things I want to talk about today was, uh, so Francisco Lindor, he just got injured and he got injured in a funny way. According to the general manager, totally blanking on his name, Cohen or something like that for the Mets. He tweeted out Lindor and he capitalized the D O O R just hurt his finger in a door and it got smashed in like a hotel room door. And like, first of all, it's your star player. He's paid 300 fucking million dollars and, and he's making fun of it or making jokes about it. Yeah. So, but so I don't want to talk about Francisco Lindor. That's a ridiculous injury. What I want to talk about is ridiculous injuries in baseball. And (laughs) I did a little research. I'm sure you did too. Off the top of your head. Do you have a funny baseball injury that you can recall that happened in the past that is just so unbelievable. It's, it's worth talking about right now. Besides my own, which we'll get yes. into, I think later in the segment, the one that always comes to mind for me is Joel, Joel Zumaya reliever for the tigers back in the day, really good reliever too. I forget if he was actually the closer, but either way, guy through like a hundred elite reliever. He got hurt. I remember and was out for an extended period of time, some sort of finger or hand injury and the story broke that he heard it playing Guitar Hero. <laughs> and I never I, do that. I never I never saw like how exactly he hurt his hand or finger playing Guitar Hero. And honestly, I've been trying to figure it out and still can't fathom how that happened. But that is how Joel Zuma- Zumaya hurt his finger. 
guitar hero. I don't know if he was, you know, strumming too fast to, you know, dust on the water or whatever, but, um, yeah, we've all been there and played it and I can't even fathom how you would hurt yourself. I mean, David Price though, if you remember like four or five years ago with the, or actually more than that, probably like six or seven with the Red Sox going into the playoffs, he went on the DL, I think, or IL for video playing games. video games. And he said, fine guys, I'm going to stop playing video games. And I think they won the world series the year he was there with that. Right in 17? Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that that was when they like called a, a clubhouse yeah. meeting to essentially say like no more video games in the clubhouse <laughs> because that's all guys were focused on, which is absurd. But going back to Zumaya real quick, Jake, so the only theory I have is if they phrase it as a guitar hero injury, but it was in actuality a rock band injury, which I can maybe see if he was, you know, the drummer. We used to play rock band oh, yeah. in college oh, yeah. in between classes. I remember going to... I think Will's dorm and watching some South Park and playing rock band for like an hour and a half. And I could see maybe how the drummer could get hurt. Other than that, though, the guitarist, no I mean, left hand, you're just no you're hitting the buttons, right hand, you're hitting the, you know, the, the strumming. It really doesn't make sense unless he was like really into some expert stuff and going super quick and like pulled a tendon or something. But who knows? Well, let me rattle off some of these. I did some research and I say research, like Google the shit out of this. So, uh, yeah. 1990 Glen Allen Hill on the Blue Jays. He went on the disabled list because he fell through a glass table and that resulted in cuts and bruises, obviously to his hands and feet, knees and elbows. What caused the fall? Because you would say, well, shit, that sounds like a relevant injury to get. He woke up from a nightmare because spiders were chasing him and he didn't know where he was and was confused and started running through his house and fell through his glass fucking table. <laughs> I didn't know about that one, man. <laughs> so he was, keep... Wait, so yeah, he was yeah, yeah. at his house, not like yes. a hotel room, like on the road where he didn't know where things were. Just disoriented in his own house, scared to death of spiders and had a nightmare. Allegedly, that is the story. So arachnophobia, right? It's a real thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. Let's skip ahead three years. Ricky Henderson, also with the Blue Jays at this time. And this is a famous one. You'll probably remember it. He uh, got frostbite on his toes because he left ice packs on his feet after a game too long and fell asleep. Frostbite in August on his toes. I don't remember that one. However, that does bring to mind the potential for you to have been injured in summer ball with the opposite injury of seared skin by falling asleep outside on the deck while sunbathing. And I think you did that a few times and probably over-roasted. Yeah. <laughs> 100% overroasted. But along those lines, Chris, I might have been channeling my inner Marty Cordova, who was on the Orioles, who in 2002 fell asleep in a tanning bed and got severe sunburn on one side of his face and had to stay out a 15-day stint. First of all, what an amazing segue to that injury, and that wasn't planned. <laughs> no, not <laughs> Just, at all. We're clicking today. <laughs> so sunburn on one side of the face for 15 days was this like sun blister austin sakura that we talked about last time and what was going on it must it just says he fell asleep in one side and it was sunburn on his face had to sit out i've never have you ever been in a tanning bed i've never, I've never been, been in, in a tanning, tanning bed. bed i'm a they just freak me out i wouldn't want to go in it like you're searing your skin with some friggin' faux sunlight the, the light's below and above you right so did he maybe fall asleep with his cheek like on the light where he wasn't supposed to and like 
burn his skin off or something? I don't, I know. don't know. Maybe it was old 2002 tanning bed technology where they didn't have a full body. They had like one side or something. I don't know. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, and a good segue, like you said. Let's keep it going. 2004, our boy Sammy Sosa, during his one of his legendary, you know, hitting a bazillion home runs, sneezed so hard that he sprained a ligament in his lower back and caused back spasms and was sent to the DL. I can relate to that one, man, because if any anyone who knows me knows that I may not sneeze that often, but when I do, it's at least 12 or 13 in a row. And not immediately in a row, but like sneeze, 30 seconds, sneeze, and they can be violent. So I could see how that happened. Still a ridiculous injury, though, to keep someone out of a baseball game. I could relate. I think I can relate to that where you do sneeze so hard every once in a while and it uh, kind of jars you in a weird way. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe you get that hurt where it causes back spasms and <laughs> torn ligaments, but he was also a juice head. So yeah. God knows his ligaments couldn't handle anything about how big his muscles were. They were just, you know, right. 2005 changing gears. We're not hurting ourselves. Sneezing Clint Barmus with the Rockies. He fell and broke his collarbone because he was trying to carry a package of deer meat uh, to give or no, that was given to him by his fellow teammate, Todd Helton. So all these hunters out in Colorado have big ranches. They go hunting. They shoot some deer, whatever, bucks. No, that's the same fucking thing. No, dude, no bucks got to be a little bit different, right? <laughs> Shows how much I know about hunting. <laughs> but he's trying to carry it, slips, falls, breaks his collarbone, needs, it needs surgery, missed three months. Venison, man. The things people do. Now, how about this one? Do you remember, this one's a little more relevant, and it's actually relevant to fantasy, Kendris Morales. Oh, yeah. What, the torn ACL? With the Angels. No, with the broken ankle. Oh, the broken ankle, but celebrating the, the walk-off, right? Celebrating the walk-off Grand Slam. I think he went like four for five, and he hit a walk-off Grand Slam, and to celebrate, he jumped up on home plate. Remember, he came down, and he snapped his ankle in half. Literally, snapped his ankle, like almost sheer off. He was like a freaking juggernaut for me. This Rossi league back in 2010. And he proceeded to like not come back for like a year. And then he was not the same guy. He just like ruined his career. I love that guy as a player and as a fantasy asset. Like I just love Morales. He was everything I looked for in like a fantasy player. So I do remember that injury. I also remember somebody, it might not have been like a walk-off home run. It might've been celebrating winning the division or a playoff series, but someone was at the bottom of the dog pile and like separated their shoulders somewhat recently. Do you kind of remember, do you remember that? I do remember that. I can't, I can't think of who it was. Me either. It's honestly remarkable. People don't get hurt more often in those dog piles. Not only the people at the bottom with like 15 people on top, but there's metal spikes flying everywhere. And you know, yeah. Well, Think about like the, it's not the same thing, but an actual, it's not even close to the same thing. When a pitcher is getting charged by a batter. You remember when Zach Granke friggin' barreled that, he went into whoever was charging him. I can't remember who it was. And it snapped his collarbone. Yep. I do remember and that. And he was with the, Do- I think he was with the Dodgers at the time. And everyone's like, Granke, what you know, what are you doing? Dude? It's like the beginning of the season. He tried to get all, I mean, Granke's a weirdo anyway. Yeah, he is. But he tried to like fight whoever was coming after him and he ducked down and tried to like spear him Goldberg style. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> Pitchers are kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't though. You remember that one pitcher, the batter rushed the mound and the guy like took his glove and like whipped it at him to try to prevent the batter from getting there. It's like if you pull a move like that as a pitcher where either you retreat too much or 
throw a glove or a hat or something stupid, you kind of look like a wuss. But on the flip yeah. side, you try to man up like Granky. You're, that's not probably the best decision you can make for the team when you're breaking your collarbone <laughs> trying to spear some 250-pound batter running at you. No. Yeah. Oh, you know what it was? You know who it was? Carlos Quinton. Oh. Remember Carlos yep. Quinton? Yep. Hard-hitting Carlos Quinton? Yep. He, he got in fights with everybody. I remember him throwing that helmet down with the White Sox, and, he, and he's a big dude, to your point. When you say like 250, that guy was – his legs were like the size of my friggin' waist. Yeah, and he had that batting stance where he like crouched down so much. Like, oh, dude, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah I, I liked him. I don't know. He why. hit bombs, man. Yeah. All right. Here, here's another one. Now, I don't even remember this guy, Brian Anderson, Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher, 2001. You remember the name? Because I don't. I do. Although there's been a few. I feel like Brian Anderson's in the bigs, but that name does ring a bell. So I'm gonna direct quote what he said. So this iron. I had, I plugged in while I was watching Cleveland Indians play on Sunday night baseball. I picked up the iron and held to my face to feel the heat. And I was trying to look around the corner to watch the game. And I just put right on my cheek and it didn't take much. And it fried the side of my face. Who, what are you going to do? Who holds an iron to your face to check the heat? Use <laughs> your hand, right? Just like touch it real quick. I don't even touch it. I mean, if you see the steam start coming out, you put your hand a little bit close. I, know. I don't know, dude. What a moron. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I held the I held the hot pan up to my face to see if it was hot, and I turned into it by mistake. It could happen to anybody. Yeah, that one I never even, like I said I never even heard of that guy, so that made it even funnier that that actually happened. How about Trevor Bauer? So you know Bauer's got his own issues going on now, but he once went on the DL for slicing his finger because he was playing with his drone. Yes, I remember that. And then he brought the drone to the news conference to talk about it and show everyone what had happened. Shout out to our boy, Matt Moberg, lover of drones, all things drones. Going to be a pro drone pilot one day, I think. But I remember that injury as well. That was only, what, three or four years ago, somewhat recently? 2016. Wasn't there someone, Jake, who got injured like by like a dog bite or something like that too? Did you find anything on that? I, I remember a pitcher. Well, recently, as in like two weeks ago, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. That's right. He's already on the IL with a strained oblique for like eight weeks. He, I guess his his quote was something along the lines of his dog. He was taking his dog for a walk and they hurt their leg really badly. And he went to investigate, and the dog turned around, and snapped, and bit his hand. His own dog. Now, his own dog. <laughs> now, there's conflicting reports because one report was he was able to make a bullpen session. It didn't affect his hand too much, like the next day. And then another report was saying it was his non-throwing hand. So fucking who knows which hand it was, but he apparently got bit by his own dog. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't, do you have any more or is that the end of the list? Uh, there's a lot more, but I, I, I'm i not going to go through them all. The one other one, Yoane Seispedes <laughs> versus the boar. Oh, that is the type. Yes. yes, that is the title of this one. He fractured his right ankle following an interaction with a wild boar on his compound ranch whatever you want to call it i remember that and it made him miss the entire season and forced the mets to restructure his contract so not only was that just like an il like oh that's a fucking freak injury he lost millions of dollars because of it yeah his career was like basically over after that Done. don't mess with boars yeah. man they got yoenna suspetus and that king on game of thrones so <laughs> <laughs> wait you called him yoenna cespedes not yoenna cespedes yoenna cespedes yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
the boar the boar one is crazy i would like to know more about the interaction but the iron takes the cake man can you imagine walking into your coach's office or no. anywhere work to your wife anywhere with a huge burn mark on your face and explain that oh yeah no big de- well big deal but not my fault i just held the iron close to my face and turned into it by mistake i wanted to see if it was hot yep oh my god oh my god so i do have one more <laughs> we have another ironing Injury as I'm scrolling through this. John Smoltz, the Hall of Famer. Smoltzy. Once burned his chest while ironing his shirt that he was wearing. Well, I, I that has. <laughs> I'm not sure which one takes the that's cake. That's worse. That, that might. I think that's worse. <laughs> Is this why steamers were invented? Because people were burning themselves with their iron? So they're like, just use a steamer. You still can't wear your shirt. Because you're going to burn yourself. I was going to say, who's steaming their shirt while wearing it, too? That sounds idiotic, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've done it, but I've held the shirt out. You know, you do it outwards. Fine, yeah, but you're not, like, steaming the chest part of your shirt with it, like, within an inch of of your chest. Who would iron their shirt with it on, man? What type of uh, time crunch must you have to be in to do that? Or just pure laziness, maybe? Dude, you're a ball player. Just wear whatever you want. I mean, look at the look at the trends these days. Just actually, is baseball like one of those only sports where you don't dress up going to a game? I mean, I guess it depends on what your definition of dress up is. I I love the NBA style, but when I see some of these guys walking in, I mean, they, it is dressing up because they're putting thought into these outfits, but they're pretty right. outrageous. Um, I guess. Well, think about yeah, it. Most ball players are just walking in with their jeans and t-shirt, right? Yeah, or maybe, yeah, who, who the hell? You never actually see him walking in because they're at the field. Like, yeah, it's true. God knows, like, five hours before. But, like, football, like, why is that a thing? In football, you always got to get the camera on the guys walking. Oh, there's Brady walking in looking fucking dope as hell. And there's Rodgers looking like a fucking creeper sleazeball with his long hair, and, and but still kind of <laughs> dressed nice. Basketball, the same way. They always got to get them as they're walking through, and nobody's smiling. Nobody wants to talk to anyone except for maybe Gronk. But baseball, you don't have anybody who's like walking around the clubhouse or into the clubhouse. Yeah, or they just, they don't get that shot for like TV, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think the NBA specifically has morphed into such creative and at times outlandish outfits that it's just become a thing, right? Where the the networks want that shot and the viewers want to see it because it's so outlandish and and humorous at times. And baseball has just never really gotten there in terms of... And also, you know, most of those games aren't nationally televised and all that. But yeah, it's a good point. They also get there so much earlier than in other sports too, right? Guys are showing up four or five, sometimes six hours before a game. So there's probably not even reporters there at that point. Yeah, the equivalent in baseball is like when they walk out of the dugout, you know, like come up the steps. Guy's got his glove. He's like, oh, look at who I'm going to throw it today. (laughs) 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 Like, that's the shot. We got it. Here comes Brandon Jury out of the clubhouse looking for a throwing partner. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, dude, that's mostly it. Well, God, there's so many. I don't want to keep going, but I got one more. All right. Ryan Klesko. One Kles- more, and then I want to – Okay, yeah, go ahead. Ryan Klesko, which I Klesko. love Love Klesko back in the day. Yeah. I liked him better when he was on the Braves, but when he was on the Padres, too, late in his career. He was pretty awesome. He also pulled a back muscle similar to Sammy Sosa, so probably roiding as well, because he turned too quickly with his lunch tray in the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> that's it that's it <laughs> why does why does having the lunch tray like matter to that story like it just because the weight in the, was off 
I guess it says when your plate is heavy enough to injure you, it might be time to cut back. I mean, that's that's the extra little nugget quote that whatever whatever website I'm on said. But yeah, maybe a, he had his little milk carton in the wrong part of the, the tray, threw the weight off a little bit. His equilibrium was messed up. I don't know. But those are good, man. Appreciate that research. Have, did you have any similar like I, I doubt you've ever gotten hurt ironing or, or doing something like that. But any interesting or funny stories with respect to injuries that actually impacted your baseball playing ability? Well, you know the answer to that. I know you're, te- I? you're teeing it up. Well, I don't know what, what year was it? Might have been junior or senior year of college. Yep. I played third, as we've talked about, but I was apparently our backup first baseman. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Big Rick got hurt. So I don't remember what happened to him. Super hot doubleheader day, home game at Siena. I had to go play first to start the next game. Well, you had a slow roller. I think it was the first inning. Quite honestly, you had a slow roller. You're coming in, you're fielding it, firing off balance. Nice play. I go to stretch. Not even that far. I mean, I'm not even like it was a, it was pretty routine overall, but I'm as people may or may not know, I'm like one of the most unflexible people in the world. I stretch for that ball and fucking two snipers, one from left field, one from right field took out both hammies. And I literally was just in position, fell over. And I remember my legs were just clenched. You know, when your hamstrings tense up. Yeah, I remember being on the ground on my back, just rolling around with my hamstring, with my legs bent. I couldn't extend my legs, and all the trainers coming running over, asking what happened. And I was like, "I'm cramping, I'm cramping, full hamstrings, excruciating pain." I had to come out. I could barely, like, I had you know, when you get a hamstring cramp like that, it's like a strain. Could barely walk. I just remember going to the dugout. Our uh, trainer Hammer was feeding me bananas. I probably had six bananas. He's like, you need the potassium. <laughs> Can I just get some like fucking Gatorade? Doesn't it have electrolytes and shit in it to help too? Why do I need to eat so many bananas? when I puke. <laughs> yeah. And plus hammer up. I'm out of the game. Once you're out in baseball, you can't go back in. So this isn't like an emer- right. emergency. Just give me some electrolytes. Yeah, g- give me good. a drip. Give me, give me some, uh, give me an IV or something for God's sakes. So yeah, that, that was, that was one of the ridiculous ones. Who the hell went in at, to play first after you came out? I think our buddy, uh, good old four Sev had to have gone in. Oh yeah, probably. I don't know who else would have played first. I also can picture you, Jake, say you got a few opportunities to play first in practice or whatever. You know, sometimes they let us play in weird positions. I could like picture you just doing the most exaggerated stretch and like picking balls off the dirt and just, you know what I'm saying? Like so demonstrative with it. Yeah. So you probably like saw that ball come in and you're like, I'm just going to get this one and just overexerted yourself. (laughs) Just so like. I remember because you threw, you know, you're, you're, you were charging it and it kind of had the little two seam flare back. And so I was yep. way stretching kind of up the line when it was still coming back at me if I just waited to your point. And then, like yeah, I said, yeah. those two snipers got me bad. How about you? Yeah, I got a good one. So we were, we had our annual fall like World Series uh, our senior year, pretty much close out the fall, probably October or something like that. Uh, and I was trying to score from third on a single. I must have been trying to score from second on a single close play at the plate. I dove head first and went around the catcher. Something weird happened with my legs, like diving head first. Like they, it was my left leg kind of went in a weird position. I remember it just kind of going numb. And like, I thought I tore something, but I couldn't even really walk back to the dugout afterwards. Like something weird happened. I never like was fully diagnosed with, with what went on, but basically I spent the rest of the fall and that winter just kind of resting it rehabbing started to feel a lot better so we got back to school 
our spring season started usually late February. And I'd say about a week or so before we went on our first Southern trip, we were going to uh, University of Florida. We had our baseball softball formal, which we had once a year, right? So we went yep. to some place in Albany, baseball team, softball team, decent time, nothing crazy, right? So we go to the formal, we're having a few beers. So we start walking upstairs to a different part of the venue. And we were all sort of going up together. I basically like got clipped by someone behind me, not on purpose, but like, like a flat tire basically, right? Someone like yeah. hit my leg and I slipped on the stair and smashed that same left knee onto the stairs. I remember my beer like went flying as well. Like it hit the stairs and like went all over the place, but I got up and my leg was just completely numb again, just like it happened in October. And I barely could walk the rest of that night. And I remember not being able to like dance at the formal. We went to the bar afterwards. I was like hobbling along. <laughs> I was in just such a bad mood because I just kept thinking my whole season is over at this point. Before it even started. Before it even started, like senior year. So it didn't get that much better going into Florida. And honestly, I remember not really telling Rossi about it because I didn't want him. We've talked about him throwing guys on the, the injured list, right? Like not yeah. playing you if you had anything. So first game in Florida, I'm really not moving that well. Uh, but I'm playing shortstop and hiding it as best as I could. I hit a ball off the wall in the first game. and like easy double, right? For anybody in the world. And I barely got to first base. And I remember <laughs> the ball came in, Rossi's looking at second. I'm there. I'm not there. And he looks at first and sees me just standing at first. And he yanked me out of the game right after that. Like I was just done. I think I probably would have sat for months on end, but the problem was they brought our buddy Mo over to play short. He ended up getting hurt like a few yep. games later. So Rossi just threw me right back in there without anything <laughs> changing with my leg, but I was just back, even though I couldn't be back in. If that didn't happen, I probably would have been like benched the whole senior year. But uh, that's my kind of ridiculous injury story in the sense that it was initially a baseball injury, but re-aggravated it at the baseball softball formal walking up a flight of stairs. Dude, that's what I'm saying. I think we said in episode one or the intro, like, you know, Kleps, you, you got like 60-year-old knees when you were like 18. Dude, that was a rough year. I mean, I was never the fleetest of foot, but I could run and steal some bases, yeah. right? Like 10, 10 or 11 stolen bases a year. I don't even think I attempted one senior year until like... <laughs> The weekend before the conference tournament, because I could barely run, I finally started to feel okay at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's. I did actually think as you were talking, there was one. So first year out of school, my first job, uh, we were traveling for work from Pittsfield, Massachusetts, where I was working, to a beautiful town, Evansville, Indiana, on I believe the Ohio River, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek, the Ohio River that far up, it's a little industrial, if you know what I mean. Yep. But about two weeks before traveling out there, we were going for a week long, like training, seminar, whatever. Some people were like, oh, guys, we're doing that Evansville half marathon. <laughs> Are you guys interested? You know, everyone that's coming out, is anybody a runner and wants to do it? Here I am like 23. You know, we just came off, you know, four years of D1 baseball in pretty good shape. I've been playing pickup basketball like at lunchtime and after after work like three or four times a week. I'm like, I think I could run a half. No problem. So I signed up. I'm like, I'm running a fucking half marathon. Zero training. Two weeks out. Now, I'm not a runner. I know you like to run. Just the thought of that, thinking about it now, is fucking insane, even a half marathon. Uh, so I get out there. I was running all right until mile 12, half marathon's 13. That last little bit, there was like one little bend you come around this bend in Evansville and you're going down the Ohio River and all the fans that were there, there's a shit ton of people. It's yeah. a big thing. 
they're all there for the last mile and to give you that little boost at the end. And I'm like, Hey, all right, I'm feeling it. So I'm coming up to this bend. It's a slight little incline. I get around. I look just like, look at the sea of people <laughs> and my fucking hamstring again, got sniped. And I just went down flat on my face in front of all these people. And they're like, you can hear people cheering, but the people around me were like, Oh, one of the, one of the elderly ladies who's like the flag people telling you where to go came running over. was like, are you okay? You know? And I'm like, I'm fine. And I got up and I, I gimped the last mile. Like you were just talking about just like gimping along going. I had never felt so much pain in my hamstring after that. And my feet, I was using, I don't even know what shoes I ran in, dude. I just grabbed like a pair of shoes to go. So you, you finished that marathon like Michael Scott in that uh, the fun run. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> dude. I came limping through like, and I did it in just over two hours, which I was like, hey, that was pretty good. I feel like for not training, but had I not gotten sniped again, I think I would have finished under two, which was the original goal when someone said, hey, if you get under two, that's pretty good. Yeah, um, that's a... Very good time for a half marathon, especially someone that didn't train for it and had never run close to that distance. But yeah, not a running podcast, so we'll uh, get away from this quickly. But the feet pain, the foot pain that you experience when you start running, you know, longer distances, I'd say like eight plus miles, you just don't realize it until you start doing it. And the shoes matter so much, man. So if you ran those in like basketball shoes or just your normal like... You know, like casual, casual Nikes. That's what I, it was awful. I couldn't walk that week. I was remember wearing dress boots because this is like a work thing. Yep. Like dress, dress shoes. And I remember walking around like an old person that whole week. Like I was shuffling my feet around and had my hand up against a wall as I was walking. And people were like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, dude, my feet, my legs are like, I thought you were an athlete. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Listen, like. I'm hurting. That's all I have to tell you. You got to get one of those 13.1 stickers, man. You completed it. Get it on the car. God, I know. Jesus Christ. Well, listen, we talked about how Father's Day is coming up in a few days. I thought it might be fun. We're, we're off the injury talk. We both have young kids, right? So my son is four. My daughter's two. Uh, but my son just started T-ball this year. Actually, his last game for T-ball was last week. So my first year coaching, I'll use that term lightly. Uh, with respect mm-hmm. to T-ball, but you've got a son. Actually, both our sons' name are, are Connor, and your son's what? Six, five? He'll he's four and a half, so he's just he'll be five in September. Yep, but he's playing too, right? And and you're involved, yep. so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about just kind of that experience so far. And you've got an older daughter as well, and I'm sure she's involved in stuff too. So, what's yeah. it been like for you seeing the kids start getting involved in sports and being involved in that process? So I yeah, that's a good question. I, I didn't think I'd want to coach, but then I realized that nobody wants to coach, especially when the kids are being introduced to a sport for the first time. You're basically a babysitter. Yeah. And you try to, I mean, I remember the very first practice, I got all the parents, I had all the kids, you know, and I was like, hey, all right, kids, you guys hang here for a second, go start running the bases. They don't even know what they're doing. Some are running backwards. But I talked to the parents, I said, hey guys, if we learn three things on this season, one, which base is the right base to go to in order. Two, knowing that if you get a ball in defense, you have to throw it to first base. And three, drop the bat after you swing and make sure you don't kill anybody. Yeah. They're like, oh, what about swinging and throwing? I'm like, yes, that would be great if we can get there. <laughs> but like not killing each other, knowing where to go and knowing what to do when the ball gets hit. I was like, let's just start there. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was kind of how I approached it. And it was really... I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, Mike Connor was probably one of the more 
athletic ones on the team, the ones that were interested. I mean, we play baseball like every day out back. A lot of these other kids were, they'd come for 45 minutes once a week. And that's the only thing they would do. Yeah. So they were really just kind of being dropped off and say, hey, see what you can do. But I don't know. What, what, did, what have you experienced? Same thing. It was babysitting to a large degree. And we focused on the same things with the kids. Which base to run to. We had them call out each base every time they hit it. First base, second base, third base, home plate. Uh, knowing to throw the ball to first. And you know when someone hits the ball in T-ball, it's an absolute scrum to go get the ball, right? Yes. So once in a while, a kid will hit it past all of the fielders or over their heads or whatever, but usually it's a ground ball in front of everybody. And it's just seven or eight kids swarming at the ball. And, you know, it was a new experience for me too. I had never coached at that level. I coach youth basketball, but 13, 14, 15 year olds, like they at least know what they're doing most of the time. Uh, So after the first game, I was talking to my buddy Trent who coaches with me and I was like, look, we got to institute something so that these kids don't kill themselves because my son, Connor, came home after the first game. I was giving him a bath, and I looked down. He's got this huge welt on his thigh, and it must be because someone jumped on him and, like, kneaded the thigh like a huge Charlie horse. Big pile, dude. Big pile dangerous. Yeah, so we started doing where ball was hit. When we saw where it was going and who was closest to it, we would just scream the kid's name, like, Alan's ball, everybody back away. And most of the time, it would, <laughs> pretty good. It would work to at least keep some of the kids out of the scrum. But yeah, it was fun, man. Same thing. Like my son is into it. Like he really likes going to the games. And but there's other kids there that you could tell they probably had never done anything like that before. But it was a cool experience seeing even those kids like improve a little bit. And improvement at that age is could be just something as simple as knowing where to run, like we talked about, right? Or knowing not to swing a bat when other people are around or before, you know, unless you're you're up at the plate. So that was cool. Like you kind of just go into it hoping that you're giving them a good experience and maybe some of these other kids who had never played not only baseball, it may be an organized sport or activity before just start having an appreciation or a love for that type of thing. Right. Being on a team, yeah. understanding like what it means to have a teammate, what understand what it means to have a coach that may not be, you know, your parents or whatever. That's another thing I focused on was like, you know, at, at that age four or five, your kid is going to seek you out all the time for yeah. if they ever have a question I tried to defer as much to my buddy Trent as possible with with my son and let him sort of be like, hey, Connor, you should do this. You should do that because I didn't want I wanted him to get into the the habit or have experience with like someone else telling him what to do in that type of activity. So that was good, too. Overall, great experience. I think he's got one more year of T-ball. I kind of wish next year he was in like the coach's pitch or whatever. Uh, Hopefully he still he, he likes it. You know, we got soccer starting in the fall. Uh, that should be interesting. Run some kids over, kick the ball, see where it goes. <laughs> there was a couple of funny things like the coach in the, so I had three, four. Okay. So three and four year olds, which was wow. Yeah. Some of the kids, and again, I told the parents from the beginning, not only about how and what we're going to learn, but I was very upfront. I'm going to give your kid the time and attention a few times throughout practice. If after those two or three times, they are off picking flowers or making mounds of dirt. I am no longer going to try to get them to play for that practice or for other... the rest of the season for that okay. practice or game. Got it. I was going to say, man, you're laying down. If your kid doesn't look at me for three days, he's, he's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that hard. <laughs> That'd be pretty yeah. bad. It was just for that All day. Right. Cause some, cause even, you know, you know, some kids who actually were into it again, I had 10 kids on the team and there's Connor and maybe two or three others who were into it. And every once in a while, you know, even one of them would kind of start going off and doing their own yeah. thing. And I'd kind of redirect and they'd get, okay, yep, yeah, I got to come back into it. 
Uh, but there was two or three little guys, man, who could not even get to do anything, throw their gloves, go out in the outfield, run in the muck. Parents aren't allowed on the field unless they have a badge and have a background check through the County. So they make it pretty strict for like the games and stuff of who can be on the field. So like they weren't on the field and I just would tell them like, Hey, I've tried to redirect like three times. I'm not going to be spending my whole time with them. My bad. Like your kid, I don't your, know, call me a shitty person. Your kid's I, done. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, IL. Yeah. He's on the IL. He's done. Get him out of here. Yeah. But I, you have to draw the line though. I mean, you can't just, if I was doing that, I would have been babysitting the kid the whole time. That, that was my point. I can't be focusing all on one person if they don't even want to be there. Yeah. So it's a good point. We, we had, um, so the way we set up like our defense in T-ball, again, using that term loosely, the first game we played, the other team was up. We were on defense first and our kids were standing like 10 feet from the tee. So I had to like back them all up because, you know, the oh, yeah, tee balls yeah. that you use, they're softer, but if you get hit with one of those, it still could cause damage or hurt, especially if you're that close. So we backed them up and everything was fine. We come up to hit and the other team was even worse, like completely disorganized kids, like right next to the batter. So I eventually found like these like agility cones that we had in one of our bags and I set those up and all the kids had to stand behind that. And that worked well the rest of the season. Yep. But our defense was basically every kid that was on a cone. We put one kid behind the rest in case the ball was hit far. But then we had one kid at first base because, like you said, you're teaching them to field oh, it yeah. and throw it to first. And most kids, even the ones that aren't really into the sport as much, like who wants to play first today and everyone's throwing their hand up and you want to give them all an opportunity. But that's a dangerous spot because not only do you have a <laughs> runner coming, you have kids whipping a ball there and Hiring a some ball. kids aren't going to even come close to reaching, but other ones like we had one kid that would just run within five feet of first and then fling the ball at the first baseman. You know what I mean? So yep. my friend Trent and I were the, the main coaches and we had this other dad that would help out on occasion. So the first game he brings his glove and he's sitting or standing right behind our first baseman with his glove on. So I'm thinking, all right, he understands that his job right now is to make sure no one gets hurt over there with like an errant throw or whatever. Like the second play, <laughs> someone throws the ball to first our first baseman is not even looking remotely the ball comes within like two inches of our kid's head like just whizzes right by and my buddy tim who's standing behind first like doesn't even blink an eye like doesn't move his glove is just on his hand and standing at his side and i had to walk over why does he have a glove over there and go hey hey tim uh your job is with that glove <laughs> to step in and catch it like don't worry about taking the ball away from the first baseman who can't catch anything to save his life don't yeah. let anybody die over there. He's like, oh, oh, okay. Like he'd never played baseball before in his life, but yeah, I'm on the wrong glove. Dude, it was, wrong it was almost tragic. <laughs> yeah, dude. There's a lot of there's a lot of stories out there with these kids. In the first base, I agree with you, Chris. Connor actually has a pretty good arm, and he impresses me. And we put over some of those kids. There was the there were a few dads that knew what was going on and be like, hey, you know, Connor's gonna fire this thing wherever he's at. Uh, he almost killed some kids, but luckily. Uh, Luckily, the dads were able to step in and, and grab it before. Yeah, poor guy who was who was looking up in the freaking sky got murdered by a ball to his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the funny thing about the the guy Tim that was helping out with us, he showed up to the first game, and I know his wife, and they were explaining to me how he bought this glove like for T ball, <laughs> and how the store, whatever sporting goods store he went to, was trying to sell him like a two hundred fifty dollar glove, and he ended up only paying a hundred bucks for it. And I was like, oh. And then 
Tim says, yeah. And like, I had a glove, I have a glove that I've used in the past for softball, but I wanted a baseball glove for this. And in my head, I'm just like, what is this thought process, man? You don't need a different glove. It's T-ball coaching. And then he doesn't even use it. You don't even need a glove. Exactly. You can just show exactly. up. Oh my God. So yeah. Yeah. What an experience coaching is. Yeah, for sure. It was enjoyable. I am looking forward to soccer. So like, I'm not going to coach that. He starts in the fall. We'll see how he does. But it is just cool being a relatively new dad. You know, it's only been a couple of years, but seeing the kids get to that stage and not only like playing the sports, but starting to interact with the other kids and sort of forming actual relationships. Like my Connor, you could yeah. see like some friendships starting to form on the team. He'd be messing around with the same kids each day that, you know, he didn't know before the season. And that's cool because up and until this point, pretty much just plays by themselves until they get to, you know, four right. years old or so. So it's been cool. Yep. Totally great experience. I, I agree. And hopefully we can have a little more uh, dad discussion with our special guests. Hopefully there's no technological difficulties, which we know uh, could happen even to us, but especially to them. But let's get into it. All right, Chris, I think that's a good transition. Uh, we talked about our, our special guests. And it's a Father's Day special, so what better than to have the dads, our dads, on the pod? We got Big Tone, my dad, and Big Skip, your dad. What's up, guys? Great, man. Doing How awesome. How you doing? Good to see you guys, doing Chris. Doing well, guys. Jake, Skip. Yeah, great to see you, Tony. It's been, I don't even know. A long 15, time. 16, yeah, a long yeah, time. Uh, it's got to be, I guess the last time I seen Skip and you guys was at that big barbecue we had there at the end of the end of the season. That's got to be yeah, what, 2008. 20, 2008, yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Crazy. It is crazy. Time, Time flies, flies man. man. Time flies. <laughs> yep. I know. We went from spending basically, well, Jake and me every single day together and seeing you guys right. multiple times a week, tailgating and baseball games to, you know, 14-year hiatus, oh, but yeah. that's life. Oh, well, you know, uh <laughs> We'll have to make a promise to get together, though. I mean, you guys are right in Connecticut. You're not that far from me. We'll have to uh, yeah, and get get Numbnut up here to come visit, and we can all get together. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Sounds yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Numbnut. It's a new nickname, apparently. Yeah. So, all right. Chris and I were talking about crazy baseball injuries earlier in the podcast. So, we got a couple things we want to talk to you about. A lot of weird ones have happened over the years. And so we want to turn it to you guys. Have you either, we'll start, Skip, we'll start with you. Have either of you had a baseball-related injury or a job-unrelated injury that affected your, your actual profession? Have I had a baseball injury? Yeah, I caught for, for 20 years, Jake. So <laughs> I've had a few injuries. I've probably broken every finger that I have. Um, that, you know pretty much was uh, an injury that you could play through. Um, but I have to say the most nagging injury I ever had was a heel spur, which probably kept me out for two or three months because I don't know if you've ever had one, but it's like somebody's shoving a knife in your foot every time you take a step. So that was like a two or three month hiatus away from sports. You know, I can get into career injuries. I'm sure you don't want to hear about all of those, but getting blown out of a building, uh, uh, by, you know, a backdraft from 20 feet high. That happened also, and that sucked as well. 
So. Right, right. Well, let me let me add a funny one because that's kind of what we were going for. The funniest one I can remember you having, Dad, was when back in your softball playing days, you went to wherever to play nationals, and of course, you guys wore like the short shorts with the sliders underneath. Jesus! And you came home with literally a third degree burn up and down your left leg because like an idiot wearing shorts, you decided to slide and ripped your whole leg apart. And I remember you jumping in our pool every night for like two weeks to get the chlorine to clean it and just screaming at the top of your lungs. The neighborhood must have thought you were, I don't even know, murdering somebody. You know, the hair is actually standing up on my arms right now because I forgot all about that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I still have a scar from that injury. And uh, little did I know that they played on like uh, beaded pebble fields and when you slid, you were just going to tear yourself up. And I was a, you know, all, all in guy, man. You know, I just played hard and it was hot. So I wore shorts. What do you want me to say? Oh, it was a style back then. I get it. It was a style and they were short shorts. So yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Chris. Thanks for bringing that up. What about you, Tony? Anything? Well, I had actually two injuries, one major. We were living in California and I was in a 17, 18 year old league and I was a catcher. I was a catcher also. And uh, I was catching a knuckleball pitcher. And I'll never forget, it was like the fifth inning. This guy was just beating me the hell up. I mean, I was just getting pounded back there. So he throws one, and it foul tips. It hits my cup, breaks my cup. The cup comes apart and squeezes my junk. So I'm on my knees (laughs) crying. And the coach, two assistant coaches come out, drag me into the dugout. Now, we had open dugout. I said, get it the fuck off. Get it the fuck off. I'm just ripping my shit off. And there's parents and teenage girls. I said, get it off my nuts. It's killing me. It's killing me. And so, yeah, that was bad. That was real bad. Yeah. So open dugout, like just, just a Oh, yeah, open dugout. The yeah, the fans are sitting behind you. And I'm screaming, get it the fuck off my nuts. It's fucking squeezing my balls. So, yeah, it was bad. And then the next, the next, the next worst, I was real good friends with the, the, the high school football, uh, fullback, great friend of mine, Rick Brewster and, uh, long fly ball hit the left field. Uh, of course they catch it and he tags up and he's coming. I catch the ball on one hop and I go to tag him. That's all I remember. That fucking guy lowered his shoulder and ran right over me. Well, I'm laid out at home plate. Swallowed my tongue, and my dad's freaking out. My mother's screaming in 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 the stands. <laughs> they had to call an ambulance. They took me to the emergency room. They had to cut my freaking uniform off. Yeah, oh yeah, it was bad. I didn't break anything. He so you just got knocked me out. So the next time I, oh yeah, I got I got killed. Yeah, yeah, oh, you man, got concussed. Literally. So I asked Rick. He goes, dude, I I thought you were going to get out of the way. No, I don't get out of the way. You know what? I didn't drop the ball. He was freaking out, but I just, that's all I remember. <laughs> Those are good ones. I'm not going to top that, but can I tell, you, you know, Chris, you told a funny skip injury. My dad's had a lot of funny injuries. Probably one of the most outrageous ones is we were building our addition. He was also trying to quit smoking at the time. So he was a little irritable while we're helping him build the addition. He would put nails in his mouth, like maybe four or five nails. And, you know, you take one, hammer it in or whatever. So we're asking for like, hey, throw me a nail. And all of a sudden you hear, (laughs) and we turn around and he's just like, I just swallowed the nails. (laughs) 
Yeah, I did. See, I can't. I, co- no. I can't compete with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> did you pass it? Well, you know, I went to my doctor. Said either would have gotten hung up and and killed you, or or you passed it. So I guess my stomach acid ate it up. Yeah. It was a roofing nail, man. It was about that big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of crazy wow. stuff in my life. Yeah. Well, that's those are incredible stories, Jake and Tony. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to talk about, obviously, we said it at the beginning. Um, we spent a lot of time with each other at Siena in college. You know, we were playing baseball. You guys were at almost every game. Just talk a little bit. What was that experience like for you guys seeing, you know, two of your kids playing? Jake and I talked earlier in the pod about our kid just getting to the age where they're starting to play sports and how cool it is to see that and coach them. So what was it like, you know, watching uh, college athletes that that were your kids? I I was just so uh, pleased and proud of of Jake and you guys and uh, the great ball players you turned out to be and. Uh, it was just so much fun to, to, to watch you guys develop and grow. You grew into fine young men, and uh, uh, it was a great experience. I loved it. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I miss it. I really do miss it. Yeah, we do too. <laughs> yeah, I got to say that um, you know I played ball my entire life, but to watch my sons play ball, to watch Chris play ball, was was twice as good. I mean, than playing myself. Um, there's something about watching your boy play baseball. You know, um, it was like the those were the best days in my life. I was firefighter, and I'd get out, and I, you know, Ryan would be playing, Chris would be playing, and I'd have two games to decide where I was going to go, and I would try to figure out a schedule how I could be fair to both. But you know what? It was the best time of my life. I have to say, and uh, I really, really enjoyed that time. Yeah, it was. It was just absolutely wonderful. And uh, I'm just so proud of both of them. I mean, they both turned into fine young men. Well, you you guys did it upright. I mean, not only did you just come and watch, but we played Saturday doubleheaders and then one game Sunday. And at least for Saturday, I think it was the Seltzers would bring this whole huge tent, big tailgate. So you guys had, you know, the cocktails flowing, the food going. That sounded like it seemed like a good time. We were too busy playing. Sometimes we'd like scarf a hot dog down in between double headers, which I don't know how that uh, how good of an idea that was looking back. But um, you guys had a yeah. nice setup. Yeah, yeah, we did. Good, good setup. And and uh, I remember the seltzers always had their green alcohol soaked cherry bombs that they'd give to oh, us yeah. after the games. Forgot about which that. was yeah, which was basically you know like a hundred and eighty proof, just punch you in the face cherry, actual cherry. Uh, but you guys, Skip and Tony, if, if I recall correctly, you guys were always drinking rum and Coke, Sailor J, I mean, rum-related. Yeah, uh, Captain Morgan's, and uh, we would stand behind the uh, the stands and just uh, chugging them down, man, and just, <laughs> just cheering everybody on. And It was so much fun. It really was so much fun. Hey, Skip, do you remember when we stole the golf cart and drove it around in the outfield? <laughs> yes, of course. Of okay, course. yes, yes. <laughs> of course. That I was awesome. We stole the- oh, yeah, we drove out in the outfield, <laughs> and the kids were saying, Rossi's going to kick your ass, and fuck, fuck it, you know. You guys had just won the MAC tournament, I think, or were, were in the MAC tournament after that. Yeah, we flinched. So we were so happy. It was happy. senior day. Yeah, so – uh, who was the trainer there that left it there? I don't know. I 
I don't was remember the, who the trainer was. Do, it was a guy that used to do the music. Jay Rich. So he left the park there, and I'm walking with Skip, and we're walking. We were going to have eats and stuff out there in the outfield, by the outfield fence. I said, hey, let's get in the golf cart. Sounds good to me. We did. We did. We got in and drove right through the fence, drove out in the outfield, and you guys are just standing there. What the hell are they doing? It was so funny. You guys stole our thunder. We were going to end the pod with that story, and you got right to it. So, oh, I yeah, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It was great. Santa stuff was good. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I could talk about that I loved. Um, one of the one of the more special things that I loved every year was your was your spring trips. I, I went to to your spring trips and followed you guys. And I have to say that Sienna baseball probably played one of the toughest uh, overall schedules as far as the spring trip went. You guys played everybody tough. And we used to get get on a plane and flying and follow you guys for three states. You know, I can remember the day that when you guys beat Tennessee. They were a top five team, man. You know, and, and little little school from the Northeast, and you guys went down there and you had them beat twice, and you gave one away, but then you but then you knocked them off on the last day. That was probably one of my best feelings for you guys. I was so so happy for you guys. You know. Yeah, we've we've talked about that. Did you guys have? Did you guys have a favorite uh, stadium down like on a southern trip that we went to in terms of just the experience of watching the game or the campus in general? Did you guys have a favorite? Well, I have one that I freaking hate. Uh, we were living in Minnesota. I was working in Minnesota, and Jake was playing in Arkansas. Okay? Yeah. And freaking rednecks. Now, now my father was from Arkansas. Okay, so, so we go to the stadium, right, and I'm sitting – we're sitting in the uh, right field bleachers all the way out by the right fielder. Well, there was some, they were just brutal fans, man. They were just yeah. all over you guys. And so the right fielder, they had like a clubhouse that was some guys up there. Well, they were drunk and they were just calling, uh, you need guys need to go back to Connecticut. You freaking suck. So I finally had enough. I said, why don't you shut the fuck up? And uh, <laughs> the guy said, why don't you make me shut up? I said, well, bring your fucking ass down and I'll kick your fucking ass. And so uh, uh, I remember the right fielder going in and telling guys, your dad's getting into it with the Arkansas fans. So next thing I know, security shows up down there and said, and they really felt bad. I said, look, I'm not going to put up this shit. This asshole's up here just ragging our kids. And Jacob was pitching. Poor Jake. I know his arm was killing him, but they made him go out there and pitch. And this guy was just ragging him. I, I was ready to go up there and just kick ass. So the security comes down and they say, look, we're very sorry. We apologize. This is no way for our fans to act. They said, well, come with us. And so they took me up behind home plate and uh, Jacob was pitching and they took some pictures of him pitching and gave them to me. He said, we're very sorry. This shouldn't have happened. I said, look, I go, uh, that guy was just out of line. He says, yeah, we were out of line. We're up there talking to him now. I said, well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Arkansas was rough. Uh, Florida State stands out, too, with, with respect to the fans, just because we got demolished down there, and they were they were letting us have it, too. But Arkansas is up at the top of my list, too, in terms of uh, most brutal fans. How about Central Florida, man? Those, those guys were brutal, too, man. I walked to where they were sitting after the game, and there were actual handles. Of, of booze that were empty that were underneath the bleachers, man. They were having a, like a, like a slug shot fest over there while they were mouthing at you guys. It was awful. 
It was awful. Well, I just remember your right fielder. I don't know what his name was. After the after the game, he come. I said, "Man, I went and told. Uh, I, I don't know if he told Jake or not." He said, "But uh, uh, your dad's getting ready to freaking get into it with the guys up there." My wife was just screaming, "Shut up!" I'm not going to shut the fuck up. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to yell probably, at my kids like that. It was probably Eric or Anthony if it was a right fielder that year. Probably, probably Eric. Probably Eric. All right, so we heard dad that you do not like Arkansas, but Skip. Did you have a place you actually liked on the Southern Swings or stadiums we went to? I thought that, I mean, I know you were talking about Florida State being a tough place to play, but I mean, as far as the stadium goes, I kind of like their stadium. I, I mean, there were there were certain places that I just liked. I liked the towns. I liked, you know, the stadiums or, or even some of them weren't even stadiums, but they were just located well. And times where you snuck wins in once in a while, which – didn't happen often, but again, you guys played one hell of a schedule down there. Um, when you did, it was it was something. It was um, I can remember one of the places that you guys played. My wife and I were were parked out in front, and you guys pulled in. It was after the game, and you saw our cooler on the ground. You saw that we had beers out, and people were hanging out the windows, giving us uh, like a round of applause, which I'll never forget. And you guys came off the bus. And you guys ended up in our room, and I'm glad I had bought like a case of beer or a case and a half of beer. But like 80 guys showed up, and and about three minutes later, that case and a half was gone. But you know, we we had a blast. We certainly had a blast following you guys, and I thank you for it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you? It was awesome, man. Good good times. It was a lot. It was of fun. awesome. You you can never get those days back. So thank you for giving them to us. You know. So I gotta ask, I gotta ask Tony something. Um, I forgot about this until I was texting Jake earlier, but you're a Yankee fan and Jake is a Red I Sox am. fan. How how does that possibly happen? How did you allow that to happen? His grandfather turned him into a Red Sox fan. I mean, I grew up a Yankee fan, uh, Mickey Mantle, Yogi Bear, I mean, all them guys. I mean, that's just I just grew up that way. And you know, my father was in the military, so we moved all over, but I was still always a Yankee fan. And uh, then when we had the kids, uh, they would go down with their grandpa and visit because they were right down the street. And next thing I know, they're freaking Red Sox fans. I mean, what could I do about it? You know? Yeah, that's rough. It's like we still have a most championships. That's all I know. It's been a little while, okay. though. Yeah. It's been it, a, it's been a little yeah. while. Yes. Yeah, it's been a while. Yep. We're due this year. We'll see. Jake and I were were texting earlier about, um, well, 2003 and 2004, both very different endings for Yankee and Red Sox fans. Jake was actually at my house, my parents' house in Bristol for game four of Red Sox-Yankees in 2004. I think I went to UConn the night before. Jake, I don't know if you went to UConn with me or just went home and then we met back up before we drove to Siena. But I remember watching game four with you at my parents' house. And I think you and I actually even like dozed off at some point because it was so late and taken forever. But we did wake up for the end and saw, you know, the Ortiz uh, bloop single off Rivera to to send him to game so five. Good. And then obviously the rest is history. But we had a good time watching watching that series back at Siena too. Those, those series were some of the greatest baseball games you will ever see. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it just, you know, and I grew up, then we did move, I lived a lot in California, so... I've actually seen Sandy Koufax pitch, Don Drysdale, uh, Bob Gibson. But uh, to see that series, those 
four or five years there, the Red Sox was just incredible baseball. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate the Red Sox. I'm just a Yankee fan. I mean, that's what can I say? No, hating the Red Sox is part of being a Yankee fan. It's it's like hating the Yankees is part of being a Red Sox fan. I mean, I'll never forget Bill Buckner. I mean, how great is that? It was great, but you know, it was even greater than that, Tony. It was, you know, What's when that? you when you guys were up three nothing in 04 and we beat you four oh, in a row. It's never happened I before. It never will again. Uh, but you know, the Sox no, no, kind of shit all over you that year. Just just to let yeah, you know, they so, did. They, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I know they did. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. What can I say? Yeah, but you guys got yeah. a lot of championships, though. Yeah, you know, and they bought a lot of them. Let's face it; it's all a money game. You know, the the game has changed so much, and you know there's a lot of these smaller market teams that it's a shame that they can't be competitive, but they just can't compete with these guys. They can't. I mean, you just don't have the, don't have the money. They don't. You know? So they don't. Tampa Bay so, Rays guys. Unfortunately. Were you, uh, were you like giving it to Jake though? And like, like 99 to 2003, you already alluded to it. Sox and Yankees met so many times. Aaron Boone walks off the Sox in game seven and Oh three. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Of course. Him and Jeremy both. I mean, they would bust my balls, and I would bust them right back. I mean, there was no slack cut here. I mean, I got a story for you. 2003, I'm watching, obviously, Wakefield give up that bullshit home run to Boone uh, to, to end the series. And I'm at my friend's house. There's a few of us, and I have about a 20-minute drive home. And that game was late. I mean, we were in high school. So, I mean, I don't know. It was probably like, you know, 1130. On, it was definitely a weeknight. Yeah. Right. So I'm just driving home and just furious. I didn't want to even look at anyone. I wasn't expecting to see anyone when I got home. I just expected like go in, let mom and dad know I'm home and go to bed all miserable. Well, I turn the corner into our driveway and all I see is the cigarette butt, like the orange and red cigarette butt on the front of the porch and this bellowing. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm pulling into the driveway, and he's just and he's just going, Yankees win! Oh, Yankees win! And just keeps yeah. saying it over and over again. And I just fucking march right, and I was like, "Fuck you! Fuck this shit!" And just, just go inside and go to bed. Yeah, I don't remember that, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, we were brutal in my each brain. Other. I mean, you guys, you guys were just brutal on me, man. Too. I mean, um, it, it was so much fun. Far for the course. Such a, Far for the course. Baseball is such a great game. I mean, let's face it. There's no other sport like it. There just isn't. I can't imagine that, though. I know how I felt after 03, and I don't think I could be that upset over another sporting event in my the rest of my life, like not even close. And if I had a family member, never mind my dad, just standing at the porch laughing at me after that moment, I, I might have punched my dad. Like, Jake, Jake, I'm surprised you didn't like, let <laughs> one loose. <laughs> You don't remember? Do you don't remember breakfast after that home run the next day? What I said to you guys at the breakfast table? Probably. I'm I sorry at you for not making you a Red Sox I'm, fan. I'm I'm sorry. No, I said I'm sorry for bringing you guys up Red Sox fans. I said get used to it. <laughs> get used to it because it's never going to change. And you know what? It changed the very oh next God. year. So yeah, you know, talking about uh, really rubbing it in. We were down at Jeremy's non-wedding. I think you probably have heard of that, but uh, it's when the Patriots went undefeated and I was, I happened to be a Giants fan and they sure fucking won. And this whole, there were people in this house 
crying. And I'm just, I'm just giving it to him. Yeah, I'm defeating my ass. I think you guys were like seven and eight that year or at the time or whatever. It might have been, it might have been eight and nine or something when you beat them. The ball that bounced off the freaking guy's head before a touchdown. Oh, that and, whole drive was uh, bullshit, Tony. There were, that there were women drive. in that yeah. crowd. That, they're all dressed up bullshit. in Patriot shit, all crying and shit. And I just couldn't get, I, I loved it. I'm sure you did. And and I'm sure yeah, you're bringing up Buckner today, too, which I had forgotten about. Thank you for doing that as well. Well, we've had our ducks, too. I mean, you go back to Billy Martin days, Reggie Jackson fighting in the dugout. I mean, we've had a lot of drama. Yeah, but you were still fucking Yankees. winning. It didn't matter whether oh, you were yeah. fighting in the dugout. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you've had yeah. the better end of it over your lifetime. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't complain there. Hey, before before we end it, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you guys. We were also talking about coaching our kids with our with our sons Connor and the three four T ball. And again, we're gonna throw a question. I dad, I obviously remember you coaching me. Skip, I'm assuming you coached Chris to a certain extent. But dad, do you have any uh do you have any any stories, which I know what probably where you're gonna go with it, or or a story of when your coaching career maybe ended? Yes. Uh, we have a tournament in Connecticut called the Potman Tournament, which was Chris Potman was a young kid who died very tragically. Well, his father always put this tournament on every in his remembrance. In fact, Jacob won a scholarship, a Potman scholarship uh, for, for college from that. Well, we're playing a Potman Tournament, and I was assistant coach. Al Wazorczyk was the coach, and Jacob was pitching. And they're like 17, 18 years old. Jake was on the mound pitching, and uh, I thought he was struggling a little bit. So Al says, you want me to go out and talk to him? I said, no, I'll go out and talk to him. So I went out, and I said, uh, uh, I just walked out, and and I looked at Jay. I said, hey, what's going on? How you doing? How you feeling? What the fuck are you doing out here, he says. Just get your fucking ass back in that dugout. I said, what? Yeah, you heard me. I don't fucking need to hear any of your shit. Okay, so I turned around, walked back in the dugout, and I said, that didn't go too well. I said, nope. He said, well, uh, I guess I should talk to Jake from here on out, and you talk to his son. I said, no, in fact, I'm fucking leaving. <laughs> so I got got my jacket. Jacob's on the mound. He looked, there I, I drove and left him at the freaking game. <laughs> and, and, and that ended my coaching career. I said, it's time to back off. So I would sit at all the high school games in the right field in my truck and watch them because it just, it was, it was time to, to back off, but I enjoyed coaching him. He, go ahead. I was going to say in, in retrospect, the, so it was the first inning. You had all the right to come out because it was the first inning, Chris and skip. And I proceeded to hit the first batter, uh, walk the next batter on four pitches and then hit the next batter. So I loaded the fucking bases. So obviously it was like, well, man, shit's not working. Uh, and so he comes marching out and I was just like, just fuck. And so he, he did exactly like that. He got in his truck. I remember, I remember I hadn't even gotten ready to throw to the next pitcher. I was still taking a breath and like walking around the mound and he's getting in his truck and leaving. I was like, Oh shit, that, that didn't work out so hot. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was 17 or 18. I might've been 16, maybe still get my license because. I still needed to get a ride home, so I had to I had to bum a ride home from someone after the game. But I just realized then that that I'd done everything I do. It's time to pass him on to somebody else. And uh, 
Uh, I don't regret doing that at all, but I really, I really enjoy coaching them and I still enjoy trying to teach kids, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. Dad, what about you? You got anything? Yeah, I, I got a couple things that um, I'll say exactly what you just said. There's a time to give your son to somebody else. I coach these guys maybe through mostly through Little League and then found them somebody else. There's a pro baseball player that was from Bristol that took these guys over. And it was the best. These guys don't want, didn't want to listen. My boys didn't want to listen to me once they got to be 12 years old. You know, I was dad. They wanted to, they want some, something um, maybe a little more flashy and they got that. But Jake, before you asked me about an injury. Um, so I built this um, with three other guys. We built a batting cage in the Bristol Polish Club that was about 50 foot long. Um, it was, you know, put together with, you know, pretty nicely. It was actually a, a place to go and, you know, guys could work out. And um, he was down there one night and we were actually using actual baseballs. And I was throwing to him uh, behind an L screen. And... Um, he ended poorly and it was always a, an omen that you, you couldn't let that happen. So I reached over and grabbed the baseball and I didn't put myself back behind the L screen. He hit this fucking ball as hard as you could hit it. He was, you know, pretty scrawny at that age, but it was a bullet. I didn't get my glove up to my nose and he hit me right in the corner of my nose and my eye. And I oh, went, geez. he knocked me out. Just, he knocked me out. Wow. Yeah. I woke up probably only about 20 seconds later and my eye was already shut. shut. Um, yeah. Oh, man. They get me to the hospital. Yeah. The doctor looks at me and he's, he's in the room with me and he walks in and he goes, uh, we think you lost your eye. Um, he hit you. Oh, wow. We think you crushed the, the crown of your eye. And of course he's going crazy. And um, so that was like, and obviously That's pretty dramatic. Obviously I didn't lose my eye, but um, that was all part of the baseball thing. That was all part of we've got a, growing up and playing baseball. We've got a video somewhere like on an old VHS, like a week or two after that. And your eye was still swollen shut. I remember like mom videotaping you to see what it looked like. Cause you were out of work for a while. But yeah, I was like 13, so couldn't drive yet. I think Uncle Steve or someone else, for some reason, was down there with us. Because usually it was just the two of us, maybe Ryan. But luckily, there was another adult there that I knew. And I remember just running and grabbing him. And obviously, they, they brought you to the hospital. But yeah, I just hit a line drive up the middle, and you just crumpled to the ground. I thought I killed you. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I, I thought you did, too. I thought you did, too, man. Um, it, yeah, I mean, but that's part of, that's part of the baseball thing, man. You, you just, you just do stupid things, I guess. And, uh, it, I didn't know you could hit a ball. That we hard. stopped using real baseballs after that. We went to the, like those foam balls or whatever. No, not dimps. Like, you know, we had, like those, uh, I don't even know what they call <laughs> A-tech, yeah. A-tech balls. A-tech. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. Oh man. Oh, I remember pitching to Jake a lot of times up at, uh, Vets field and uh, beating him just, just, and he gets so pissed <laughs> on off. purpose. You know, I was a halfway decent. No, not on purpose. Just no. You you know, just, sure? Are you sure? I was a I was a pretty good pitcher, but sometimes you get away from me and he gets so pissed off. Geez, what what, what did you got to freaking beat me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so 
you deserve the you deserve the backlash when you came to the mountains. What you're saying when I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, can, I'm just thinking about. I was talking to uh, our nieces came over last night, and they got a young young boy who's just starting out, and we're talking about baseballs. And I was telling her, I said, I, I bet you we have hit probably ten thousand baseball between Jacob and his mother and me, buckets and buckets. No, I think more buckets than that, of man. baseball. I don't know, a lot, a lot. A lot. And you know what, uh, Skip, it all paid off because uh, once they got to, and they determined, we never pushed them, but once they decided that's what they wanted to do, it just made them better ball players. I mean, it's all that repetition and repetition, and that's what it takes to be a, a good good baseball player. That's... But I just, I told her, I said, well, you got to get go get you at least 50 baseballs and get you a screen and start doing soft toss. Just soft toss. I mean, thousands of baseballs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. We used to gotcha. we used to do ground ball practice in my cul-de-sac by the house. My dad would just throw ground balls to me, and I'd field them and throw them back with a real baseball on concrete. So we'd rip up at least two baseballs per session, like to, to the – to the you know core basically i can't even count wouldn't be able to count how many we went through in my life doing that so you're right <laughs> talking december january and february with snow on both in the in uh, all over the lawns but the cul-de-sac was clear and he'd go out there and take he'd have to do a hundred baseball ground balls without an error or we had to stop it or start right. again it was ridiculous froze my ass oh, yeah, off out yeah. there yeah hey i got a question for you guys can i ask you guys a question sure. Yeah. So actually the, for the boys, um, what day did you give the mom's t-shirts? Um, was that senior day? You talking about the rowdy shirts? When you, the, um, they were just shirts with like, like the names of like the moms on the back. And it was like a, a day at Sienna. It was either Mother's Day or Senior Day, or I can't I can't remember. I'm remembering that now that you're mentioning it. I'm sure it was, it was probably Senior Day slash Mother's Day because those two would be really close in time. I'm yeah. sure it was one of those. It was it was an awesome day, and all you guys got your moms a shirt that said you know Darlene or or Samantha or Love You Mom or whatever. And Chris got his mother a shirt that said. Bud heavy. Oh no, so those when she no, so, those were so she <laughs> had the to, rowdy shirts. She had to walk. She had to walk out and and yeah, that was like when she had to walk out to your senior thing with a Bud heavy shirt on, and everybody else had their shirts on, and she she brings it up to this day. That was hilarious. Yeah, I those just were the rowdy shirts. And yeah, I think I did put Bud heavy yeah. on hers and beer me on yours. I think that's what I got for you guys. Well, listen, this is good. Yeah. I loved it. Loved having you guys. Like on. I said, we were gonna we were gonna end we were gonna end with that golf cart story. But Tony, you brought it up early, so we don't have anything to close out with uh, Tales of Hennepin Hall or anything. But that's a just a great story. So, well, it's really great to see you guys. I'm so happy we did this, and uh, we got to do it again. And you guys are right in Connecticut, and I'm right down here by the coast. We got to get together and do a cookout or something. Yeah, let's you know? do it. Tony, I'm always available, man. If you feed me, I'm going to come. Okay. Show, all right. Well, I'll, I'll definitely feed you. All right. Definitely feed you. I'm in, man. I'm in. All right. Great to see you guys. Well, hey, cheers. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, to you guys especially. Love you guys. Thanks for coming Love out, guys. Thank you. Thank you.